0: Welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. Uh, I'm Cosmo, the first head. Mi nombre de él, el Cabeza Español. Yeah. Uh, Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games, uh, where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games sometimes. Uh, Cabeza Español, what are we talking about? this episode that's what I should just say every time it's this episode
1: yeah I think we litigated that last time uh, today we're talking about languages uh, in tabletop role-playing games hence the excellent Spanish <laughs> um, because uh, yeah so languages they're always they seem to always make their way into uh, tabletop role-playing games.
0: For sure, if it's a uh, if it's any sort of medieval fantasy or medieval fantasy adjacent, um, yeah, pen and paper game, there is some sort of language stuff, and we'll talk about right. why and, and you know yeah, what that entails,
1: sci-fi usually also has languages. That's true. They just have a different way of dealing with it. I guess I was thinking like cyborg, cyberpunk, or like you know shit
0: set on Earth. Sure, sure, sure. Stuff set on Earth often just foregoes language as a mechanic. Sci-fi, yeah. Call of Cthulhu, or uh, Delta Green, you know those like horror investigative Elders
1: language, but whatever. Well,
0: there's yeah, there's like a, yeah, there there's the you know there's the language of the old gods, but I don't think any characters are allowed to be. Speaking of Fluent it.
1: in it, the sprecking the old guys. Yeah, that
0: just drives you insane. And I think if you're like an Interpol investigator from Germany working a case in the United States, you just you know English. You just you just speak English or whatever I do not I d I don't I don't know but Sprechen the Deutsch. Yeah. Sci fi fantasy.
1: There's usually languages. We're talking about languages. So languages, right? Uh well yeah, so what this episode is going to be about is just talking about languages in general. We're going to talk about how it world builds, Uh, simulation of the RL. That's for Mm -hmm. those keeping track at home, that's the real life. That's what it stands for. Um, It adds specialization to characters. We'll talk about that. Um, And then just like how it functions during the actual play of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we're going to do a little talk about like the future. Yeah, we're going to speculate wildly.
0: With uh, no qualifications. None. Or uh, credibility. But we're going to
1: do it anyway. Definitely don't have any of that. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, like, the main purpose, I feel like, of languages in tabletop role-playing, like, the world-building that it brings. I would agree. I think it's a function of world-building. And I think, well, you could... You could start with just being like, oh, well, that's like, you know, the, the like, you know, Tolkien influence that, you know, mm-hmm. is in, in fantasy. I mean, I think... But I mean, I put that bit, at the bottom. I know you put that at but, the bottom, but, like, we'll get to that. Yeah. But, like, I think it is... It is stayed pervasive because it's... Language is a huge tool mm-hmm. uh, to create culture and different cultures, right? So, uh, it language plays a huge role in people's culture. Um, not just like, oh, I speak a different language, but just like, you know, the way your mind thinks about stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Having words for specific things, but not other things. Right? Like, real life examples of, you know, uh, the the native um, Inuits. So many different words for snow. Every different kind. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that's like their whole world.
0: Yeah, or in you know, like cultures that share a little more in common. English, English has a lot more uh, like breadth, a lot more tools for um, for technical language, but romantic Latin languages struggle with that a little bit. Um, not, I mean, not struggle. You know, they do mm-hmm. fine, but uh, there aren't there aren't always the same. Hyper technical terms in Spanish, as there are in English, right. yeah, for uh, you know, yeah. say like um, the 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 manual to a complex machine. Not yeah. you know, and neither of us are language scholars. If we're way off base about that, but that's you know that's my impression, knowing what little I do about other languages and
1: oh yeah, and also
0: barely speaking kindergarten. Spanish. I do
1: know enough about English to know that it's absolutely fucked. Yeah.
0: Eng- English is like six languages in a trench coat, which is why it has this breadth of technicality. Languages that are a little more <laughs> pure. Pure. Um, they, they might, uh, la- you could say they lack some nuance that English is capable of, but English, because of that, English also has terrifically irritating mm-hmm. complexity.
1: Right. So it works having a bunch of different languages works very well in like an isolist, isolationist uh, atmosphere or, you mm-hmm. know, world. Right. Works really well in like medieval fantasy. Right. Yeah. You know, because they don't have modeled on medieval right. Europe mm-hmm. where most
0: people never most people didn't travel more than 50 miles in their whole life.
1: Right. There is no Internet. Writing was a very uncommon skill. Reading was an uncommon skill. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of time where it was, uh, you know,
0: relegated almost exclusively to nobility and church uh, officials. And, and literacy was way down. And then literacy came up and then went down again and, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's great for the kind of typical basic fantasy, which is medieval Europe with mythological elements thrown into it, essentially. Um... A lot of this, I think... Like, I, I I, don't know if the original writers of D&D would have bothered with the language mechanic. Maybe they would have anyway. But if Tolkien wasn't such a dork for making up language... He's big dork. Um... It's it's tough to it's tough to say whether, you know, they would have bothered with those same things. Like would they right. have even thought about it? Maybe they would have. Um I know Gary Gygax didn't actually like Tolkien's work very much. He liked more pulp fantasy and like adventure stuff, but there's no denying the influence of Tolkien's Middle Earth on just like everything. The, yeah. Really. The the fucking the genre of medieval fantasy. Mm. It's you know, It's got him looming over it always.
1: Right. And we can just... uh, The simulation of the real world, you know, comes in from that. It's like, you know, there are... Every, you know, culture has their own little language and their own little dialect, too. Yep. Um, It's getting, you know, all mashed up with the the internet and, you know, all that. But, like... It's an interesting
0: age we live in where language is starting to homogenize mm -hmm. like that. But for most of history, that wasn't
1: the case. Right. So, like, it leads to the, the idea, the atmosphere, that, like, it's a much larger world out there, right? You know, the players are involved in a very small part of it. Like, you know, they travel... To a different place, there's a different language spoken there, right? Mm-hmm. It makes it seem far away and mystical and different. Um, so there's no there's no big question of like, oh, why is language a thing in, in tabletop role playing games? Well, because it's it's part of real life. Uh-huh. Right? That being said, sometimes you can get a little uh, a little off base, which is what we'll be talking about later. But, uh, you know, if you're running a – you know, you have a sci-fi game and there's aliens, there's definitely got to be some sort of different language there, right? And, like, you know, they can – there's a lot of hand-waving, right? You know, in D&D, common. Everybody, you know, can yeah. speak common or that's a, most everybody, you know, That's a right? smart
0: mechanic to have added right? when or, they you thought, know, like, oh, there's all these yeah. different languages, regional and, like, racial different languages, but also, there needs to be common.
1: Right? And so, like, in sci-fi, it's just like, oh, yeah, universal translator. It's, you know, like an implant that you get or, you know, uh, right. uh, like a, a pin on your, on your you know, uh, on your Jumpsuit that, yeah. or whatever, you know, that translates stuff for you. Did Mass
0: Effect ever have one? I can't remember. Did they ever explain how everyone's just speaking English all the time?
1: Um, they did not in the games. Um, I'm sure,
0: yeah, like extra fiction stuff, novels and shit, probably. I believe in the books
1: it was, like, uh, a little device that you plug into your, like, a hearing aid. Okay. I believe. Yeah.
0: And, but, you know,
1: it's so ubiquitous
0: and just, like, easy to get your hands on that. Socialism! Everyone (laughs) can just talk to anyone. And so they kind of eliminated from... You know, from the gameplay mechanics and from the story, the idea of speaking in other languages. They just got rid of it, essentially. Which,
1: I think... So, like, that's where the simulation of the real world... To simulate what the real world has in it, as far as languages go, that's why it should be different. And we're talking about that in RPG space. Because, you know, what we mentioned a little bit earlier like you know writing and reading and speaking different languages that was like for the nobles and for Mm -hmm. the for the you know clergymen and you know it was a it was a way to control it was it was a way to hold on to power and restricts yeah you know um ideas being exchanged that's my maybe
0: kind of cynical Mm. read on you know what we're not supposed to call the dark ages anymore but um (laughs) it's late antiquity i'm not really sure the difference, or sure. who cares? But um, yeah, that's that's what it always kind of struck me as as a uh, a mechanism of power, right? To um, to control literacy and to control the written word. Um.
1: So, like that, you know, that idea I think doesn't really belong in role playing, and we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Um, but on the face of it. It's it's a way to add like specialization to your characters, mm-hmm. right? In in the in an honest sense, if you're you know not a super big dick about it, you know it can add that extra flavor for your characters, right? You know like oh I know these languages, right, because of my backstory, and it kind of makes you know the characters feel special and unique, mm-hmm. right? And it's also just like how characters interact with each other. Obviously, they're speaking English. Or, <laughs> they're speaking a language. Like, you know, if you're in the United States, you're probably speaking English at your role-playing tables. Mm-hmm. Um, but your characters might not be. Right. And that... Sorry, I,
0: I brain farted. I was... Uh, yeah. Specialization. Sorry. Yeah, Specialization, how your players can interact with each other. Um, the... Uh, The context that that your character might have for a situation because of, you know, a language that they do or don't speak. Context or lack of context, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, then you can play to the specialization of a certain character and you can be like, well, since, you know, since you're a native speaker of this language, you kind of get, you get that they were being sarcastic. But you people who don't have this language, you didn't really catch that. And then, you know, you've introduced a little, like, role-playing challenge, an improv prompt where, you know, how is that, how, how are you the character who caught the sarcasm? Because they do speak the language. They have that specific specialization. Are you, how are you going to react to it? Or are you going to, like, share it with the rest of the party or, you know, whatever? And if you've got good players, they'll all play along with it. And you know, be like, they will react to the text that their player understood, and then, you know, is the other player going to share their additional insight or not? Right. That's 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 up to the role playing, and that's fun.
1: Mm. And I mean, you know, stuff can get lost in there, uh, especially because like, at that point, it's gone through like three, you know, translations, right, from the game master to that player from that player's character to that player and then from that player to the other people's characters slash you know the other players right cuz like i find that sometimes when i like i tell one person something like one character they'll be like oh okay so this is what this guy said and it's like it's pretty much right but like they're not they don't hit the emphasis of the things that like were important they'll be like yeah he had like eggs for breakfast and like no, that wasn't the important thing. The important thing was that, like, they tasted funny. And, like, you know, that was what you were supposed to pick up on. But what you picked up on was eggs. Yeah. You, you're you not wrong. Right. But... Uh, you got it. You know. Yeah. Uh, also, my favorite thing in Afterlife is when you ask, like, can your character read? <laughs> I love that. It like, has become kind of a funny... yeah. You well, know, they, you know, it's you know. a it's a an assumption that we make today cuz, you know, the literacy rate but like in in these different worlds and right uh, a post-apocalyptic
0: or a, a medieval fantasy, like it's not a given. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, depending on the fiction of the world you're in, like it might be way less of a given than it is mm-hmm. today and it has become kind of a funny thing where, you know, situations will arise. And I, I communicated some information in the last session that I ran through uh, like an inscription on a rock. Um, and then a character was asking me some questions about it and I had to kind of like check myself before I continued to give away information and just straight up ask like, mm,
1: well, can you read? And yeah. it I mean, is Besides funny, being a hilarious yeah. question, but I did, <laughs> I, I like it. So I like it a lot because it's that moment and some um,
0: people can't read, you know, some people aren't fully literate, whatever. Yeah. But, you know.
1: But it's that moment of asking that question and seeing that the player had also made that assumption just flat out. That like, oh, yeah, my character can read. And then right. when they're actually asked, they got to think. And be they like, got to think about it. And then everyone right,
0: together that, goes just a little bit deeper into the simulation together. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. And you start to you really, you get more... Um, purposeful thoughts about like who your character actually is and like where they come from and like I wrote this big old backstory but like yeah, I hadn't considered simple things like can they read who taught them to read how yeah. they learn uh, you know etc right
0: what if they're you know creature from another plane of existence or what if they're like a mechanical construct the the context of their origin, suddenly becomes uh you know more important than oftentimes the backstory of role-playing game right it it becomes not something you know simple and then forgotten and you're just part of the quest but then you got to think about that and be like "Hmm, you're right how did i imagine you know the the beginnings the early days of my character how did they come to be here and at what point would they have you know learned this language or learned to read whatever
1: yeah, and it stops because it stops being something just in their head and starts being something, you know, everybody's head. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it adds a little bit of yeah, that world building of like this is a thing. Right. Think Everyone goes it. deeper into the simulation.
0: Everyone has, you know, a perception of their own character as well as like their personal imagining of the world that you're creating and a version of every other character in their mm-hmm. party. And now the version in their head of the other characters in their party gets a little bit more three-dimensional when suddenly you stop to ask a seemingly silly
1: question like that. Yeah. So that's a pretty good lead into how language actually functions during play. So that's one way, mm-hmm. right? Like, it can challenge uh, assumptions. Yep, and um, deepen the, the, the and immersion. And the role-playing experience. Um, but... There's some other ways that it affects gameplay that are not so good. Yeah. Um, right? So, like, there's there's really two trees that, when I was thinking about this, um, there's kind of two trees of, like, and, like, you know, I know the the either-or fallacy or whatever that is, and it's like, there's not actually only yeah. two ways, but I think... Especially in something as made up as yeah.
0: pen and paper games, but...
1: But I think yeah. there's, you know, a way to categorize how language is going to play, right? So, then the the first way is if it's, like, strictly adhered to, like, at its strictest sense, especially, like, in D&D where there's every, like, creature type mm-hmm. has a language. Right. Several creature types have multiple, like, humanoids, you know, there's elves, there's dwarves, there's, you know, goblins, there's common, there's, you know, individual human dialects. Right. And then there's, like, the infernal and deep
0: speech and draconic, you know, the the sort of, like, weird yeah, language. Like we just listed off, like, nine that belong to, you know, specific mm-hmm. uh, classifications of creature from different planes. Different planes have their own, like, elemental... I think that's its own language.
1: Elemental, yeah? Yeah. So if you're hearing strictly the rules, you can... You can easily, very easily start locking off information. Yeah. And that, I think, I mean, you know, so imagine the
0: situation. You've got an adventure, you've got a cool dungeon, and then in the dungeon, the thing that they get is like a, you know, a stone tablet, and it's written in dwarfish. But you've got no dwarves in your party. And you ask, like, hey, can anyone read this? And you're like, oh, whoopsie. Now, if you didn't plan ahead, if you didn't think about this, you've created a situation where you've just, you've locked the information away. Now, there are solutions to this. They go find someone. Right. They put could, it in their right.
1: pocket. Yeah. But,
0: you know, what if you weren't planning for that? What if...
1: What if it was a, a key to the puzzle Yeah, that they needed to get through the dungeon? Right. And then
0: you're going to like, oh, shit. I didn't think about how many people knew which sorts of languages, and now you can't complete this dungeon until you do something else, and maybe you're only, like, halfway through the session. And that's no good. You don't want that. You don't want to give yourself... Like, if you're... You know, when you're prepping the session, why give yourself Mm -hmm. the opportunity to fuck up like that?
1: Yeah, and, like, it's not really a fuck... Like, there's plenty of ways to pivot and do it well and whatever, but, like, it's still... Why? Why need a pivot there? Why, um, you know, put yourself into that situation?
0: Right. Um, unless that's your style. If your style yeah. is no notes, no mm. prep, just all improv, and you're good at it, then fuck yeah, just wing it. And then that becomes not a pitfall, but
1: yeah, the next session. But I think I think that that's the difference, though. Is is intentionally. Doing it intentionally is something else. Doing it intentionally right. is like a, a way to bring language into the game where, um, in a way that it matters. Right. Doing it unintentionally where it's just like, oh, well, I didn't consider that you wouldn't know this language. So, like, I guess you can't use that item that, like, you are excited about. Right. That sucks. That's no good.
0: Right. Um, so... You know, like like what we've said about, like, don't fucking lock critical information or a necessary path behind a dice roll. You also shouldn't lock it behind a language barrier. But then, there is the complete opposite side of this coin. Yeah, so
1: like, if you're like, okay, so I can't lock anything behind a language barrier, so then... Why even have language, right? Why have language? Do Why? the Mass
0: Effect Universal Translator. Mm-hmm. Do the do the Hitchhiker's Guide Babblefish thing.
1: Right. So And just if you're remove doing that, language completely. If you're doing that, it becomes meaningless, which like then you shouldn't have it like uh it shouldn't be part of the like character creation process in a way that like takes away like points. Like if Language needs to be a skill. Yeah. Right. If if you're just gonna hand wave it because like, you know, you don't wanna run into you don't wanna deal with it. Right. Then like then just like, okay, it's not a skill that they can choose or like, you know, give them something else like I don't know. Yeah, then you got to get rid of it. If you're going to class system. If you're gonna remove
0: language as a mechanic with some sort of universal translator, or just say that like everyone speaks the same language, whatever. Um then, yeah, in character creation, you have to give them back that language proficiency. Mm-hmm. If they get the language proficiency at some point in their character creation, you got to right. so like, take yeah. that away and give them something in else. In
1: D&D, like, oh, like, if you choose this stuff, you get, like, you get to choose an extra language. Well, if you're not going to use languages in mm-hmm. a way that is, you know, helpful and not being a dick, um, then give them something else and like I don't know exactly what that would be in D&D but like you know maybe give them a give them a something else right because yeah it's in D&D it's part of the character creation like you get certain languages for being certain you know races or yeah. you know certain backgrounds
0: right if you're a you know if you're a fiend or if you're an infernal warlock then you get the infernal language as well, you know, or fey, you get fey language. Um, you got to give them something else then, because then they're missing a part of, you know, they're missing a part of their character creation at that point. It's, it's an interesting thing. I will say, in my experience, stuff has tended towards the meaningless. And we haven't played a ton of D and D we have tended towards other systems where language
1: isn't much of a feature in it. Um, Yeah. And it's just, it's something that we did, you know, we've done several episodes on like backstory language, I think falls more into backstory and we're, you know, talk about that in a second. So, Unless you're really going to try to bring it in, then there's no reason to focus and have it on your character sheet. Um, Because chances are, players are going to ignore it, and it's only when they're called on it by the game master are they going to be like, oh, shit, I don't speak that language, actually. Like, in our experience, you know, our players aren't coming together. It's like, oh, we're at the library... Well, I know Draconic, so I'm gonna go find all the Draconic tombs because maybe there's something interesting in there that yeah. pertains to like the mission that we're on that nobody else can read. Yeah. That's rare. No but no none of our players would ever fucking do that.
0: But that is, I think, a cool and acceptable way to do it. Yeah. Especially if you've you know, you've been running the session and just without even thinking about it, you've been running multiple sessions in an ongoing campaign and just like everyone's speaking common all the time. It hasn't right. come up. A- Mm-hmm. The idea of language hasn't come up, but then you know you're in a library and you're like, mm, well, you know, you are a tiefling. What if uh, do tieflings get infernal? Um, I don't fucking know. I don't know. But uh, sounds like something they might have. You know, then you're like, well, uh, maybe you uh, you don't find anything, but you you know, point to one character. You could look in this section and point to the dwarf. You could look at the dwarven books. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and then you know, prompt them to narratively seek something out like that. Right. It's so, still not an important gameplay mechanic, but you right. know, you're playing into backstory.
1: That's that's our idea of, like, the future of language in RPGs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, one of them is scaling it back from it being a mechanic that, like, locks things behind doors, scaling it back from that and turning it into, like, flavor and, like, part of the backstory of your character. Right? Like, what... Can they do, like, how can I impart information on them in a way that is fulfilling? Like, oh, your character, you know, speaks this language because of the way they grew up. I have some information that I need to give the party, but I'm going to give it to this character yeah. because, like, in, like only the they can understand it, right? That's you great. Know?
0: I love, uh, I love doing it that way, like, you know, sticky note style. Or like we talked about in sicko zone, having like a private text channel. Um, right. And being able to share information. Uh, in, instead of sharing information to the whole group, use the idea that like they're the ones who found it or they're the ones who speak the language. Give them the sort of just like unalterated, plain text version of what they discover or you know what the answer is. And then allow them in character to share mm-hmm. it with the other players. That's cool. I love that.
1: Right. That's that's a way to incorporate, you know, the specialization, you know, aspect of like why why do you need to learn or why do you know all these other languages? Well, one because it's cool, and like here's how it's useful in gameplay. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of being behind a like a fucking roll wall or uh, you know a closed door, right. If you will.
0: Um. Also, you know, on the we're talking about this one first, right? You yeah, know, scaling it back. Uh, so a, a cool example of... Um, well, it's a book, not a pen and paper thing. But it was great. Um, Black Tongue Thief by uh, Christopher Buehlman. It's a really cool fantasy book. Um, talks a lot about languages. There's like nine countries or something, kingdoms, in that book. Um, all different languages. Kind of like medieval Europe. Like a lot of fantasy uh, typically, but, um, you know, languages all related, but distinct. And he has some great bits in there where the main character is talking about, you know, how like his home language, cause he's, he's basically Irish, um, is, uh, sorry, we're looking at the screen like idiots. I am. I looked at you, and then I looked oh, at the yeah, screen. Oh, yeah, my bad. Uh, you distracted me. I was just checking um, the time. He, he's talking about how, you know, poetic and um, and nuanced the, the Galtish tongue is. And he talks about how, like, you know, there's different ways, you know, spoken like a true whatever, you don't understand the difference between, like, you know, me saying we as in, you know, like, all of us because we agree or, you know, uh, all of us because you know, we have to, nuances of language like that that don't actually come across in the text because it's a book written in English Mm -hmm. and, you know, read in English, whatever, you know. But, um, you know, stuff like that to just enrich, and this goes back up to the top, to world building and just enriching backstory and enriching the setting in which things take place. That is really, I think, the, the good that's the good use of language in a pen and paper is to um yeah get away from it being mechanical you I mean, like characters know multiple languages and they can muddle through you know if they have they you know find a language in common or they can mm-hmm. uh they can ask like oh you know i didn't recognize that word whatever make it flavor make it backstory make it fun And get away from it being a mechanic that could possibly lock out progress
1: from your players. Yeah, I think, you know, and not, or scaling it back to where it's not a mechanic at all might necessarily be the best or the right thing. Mm. But, you know, taking away that opportunity to close a door, but like, you know, having it always be in the player's favor of like, it can always open a door. I'm never going right. to shut you out of it because yeah. it'll,
0: yeah, it'll never lock a thing because mm-hmm. you don't know something, but
1: it could open a, otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, or a door that I didn't see. And it's like, oh, well, like, you know, this guy's kind of being, you know, an asshole, you know, an NPC's kind of being an asshole to the party for some reason or whatever. And like, you know, I'm a, I'm a smart guy. What's uh, what's his accent? Yeah. Can I tell what his, his you know like his native language is? Mm-hmm. You know, oh shit. Well I'm gonna speak a couple words in that to him. Yeah. And be like, you
0: know, same same, bruv. Right. Or be like, you know, I recognize the region. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try and bond with him by saying, like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, are you from here? You from f- am- oh, you from back yeah, then? Yeah. Um, hey, I have mm-hmm. been there before. I loved it. I so love nice. I
1: love your, your crawdad stew yeah. that you make down you know, there.
0: Some regional dish mm-hmm. uh you know. Oh the best the best babes, they come from your country. Right. Yeah. And then
1: Boom, door open. That's
0: that's narrative. But then like you did some good role playing, so a good game master should reward that by maybe changing a little bit how the disposition of this NPC they're talking to. They're gonna be a little more friendly towards you or something. Mm.
1: All right. And so the the other place that kinda goes in it flies in the face of what we were saying. Mm. there are some games and some stories that should not be scaled back or the language should not be scaled back in that so like you know if it's like a puzzle mystery that could be a large component of it of like you know the language like the yeah. well you know I guess I was kind of off base my example I was going to be using is like the the like Age of Cthulhu mm. thing where it's I like I think that's
0: still a good example
1: you know, because
0: you know, in, in A Call of Cthulhu... Call of Cthulhu, not aging. Maybe um, they're like, oh, like what language is this written in? Like, mm. you know, a mechanic like that where you give them something where they don't know the language. Um, but figuring it out is key. And so, mm. you know, you, you kind of make a couple of sessions about finding someone who can decipher it for you. Or,
1: you right. Know. It's not something that like, oh, well i i was you know as the players like well i don't want to engage with that because like you know there's adventure to be had elsewhere and it's a lot easier for me to like you know oh well let's just you know throw this weird rune away and continue down the dungeon (coughs) right but if it's like the reason you went to the dungeon was the rune, and now you gotta piece together like right. you have a couple other runes from other dungeons, yeah. and like it's part of a ritual or mm-hmm. something. I don't know, right? Like that's that's where uh, a hard language mechanic and barrier would be really good, mm-hmm. right? So you know, there's there's two there's two options, I guess, right? Like. I just, I think the, the thing that we should put on the board, put it up, is make it intentional. Yeah. Right. So like, if it's going to be something that is like, oh, well it's in the rule book. So like, here's a language you don't know. Yeah. Just because it's in the rule book. I'm just going to mm-hmm. shove it in here. Ha ha. Right. Did you think about it? No, you didn't. That's, That's not you.
0: intentional. If, yeah, if you've been running a and d campaign for a while and you you know, take a second and think back and be like hmm, how much of a how much of a thing is language in this campaign at all? And if the answer is oh, huh, we've never really engaged with the language mechanic, then probably go with this other one. Scale yeah, it the hell back. It back. Do not make it a mechanic. Um, definitely don't lock any sort of uh progression narrative progression or you know secrets or whatever don't lock mm-hmm. that shit behind something that they may or may not know because of a mechanic that up till this point you have not been engaging with but if you're like yeah oh yeah we're doing some language stuff well then it's time to then, then I think it's okay to um
1: make it an integral part yeah specifically of engage with problems. the language mechanic
0: and hide some Hide some secrets behind it, but secrets where the quest is about figuring them out. Yeah. You never want to just like come up to a closed door and realize that they don't have the key because it's a. Speak
1: friend and enter. Right. (laughs) Melon.
0: Melon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and we're. Scaling it back is not forgetting about it because of all the things we talked about before, it does huge stuff for world building. And we think it's a very cool bit. And like, you know, we're all about world building here. Yeah, and we like lo- fucking love it. It's bringing fun. in character backstory.
0: And there's a good chance if you're listening to this, you're some sort of game master. And people don't become game masters because they hate world building. Do it because True you're fucking story. into it.
1: True story. So, doesn't need to get lost completely. For the most part, it's probably overlooked um, until until it isn't, right? Which is not intentional, which is what we are... the I guess, you know, the whole point of this episode yeah. was about is just... Be more intentional about it. Think about yeah. it, yeah. Because Be that's definitely my experience.
0: Thinking back to all the D&D I've ever played, um, you get some languages... When you start your character, but then I think you know you pretty much just are always interacting in common and i I can't remember an instance of language coming up in any significant way um now that your mileage may vary we're not talking to everybody well mm-hmm. we're talking to anybody who will listen but we're not uh, <laughs> our our experience is not universal
1: yes yeah um yeah I mean that's that's yeah. Closing so thoughts? Language. Um,
0: let's, uh, let's, let's recap it a little bit. Um, language is primarily, we think, a tool of world building. Uh, it reflects certain periods of history, which a lot of fantasy media is based on. It also has Tolkien, just like looming large over the fantasy genre, and he was a huge language nerd. His hobby was making up languages, and so a lot of that just has infiltrated and trickled down mm. through the editions of D and D and Pathfinder and just like all fantasy media. It's a big part of it. Um, we talked about how it simulates real life. Um, we talked about how it can specifically add specialization to characters. How language is a big function of backstory.
1: Mm -hmm. And how you interact, uh, how characters interact with each other and, you know, the NPCs, all that, right? You know, there's communication. It's a large part of communication. Yeah.
0: Um, Then we talked about its function during play and what we think the future of that kind of looks like or should look like what we think, you know, whatever. So it either cuts out key information or it gets completely glossed over as a mechanic. Yeah. and we talked about if you're going to do one or the other, build the story around hidden information that is locked behind mm-hmm. languages. Finding people who speak it or making use right. of be intentional or not who about it.
1: what you you know mm-hmm. what you hide behind the language, or be intentional. scale the hell back from it as a mechanic and only
0: use it to add flavor when adding flavor is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about how cool it is to, like, slip a sticky note or, you know, a text to one character, share them the plain text version of a thing because they understand the language, and then let them share it with the rest of the party in character. That's cool. We like that. Um, yeah, so that's our thoughts about language in pen and paper role-playing games
1: uh welcome to the next episode wait oh sorry that was the wrong side of the card we flipped the card over um that i think
0: about do it for this episode of two-headed game master if you like what uh what you're hearing head on over to hgm.com what will they find there
1: uh well first off they're going to get blasted with an ad for afterlife Uh, original sci-fi, post-apocalyptic fantasy role-playing game that we made, full world, full rules, uh, available on DriveThruRPG today. Today. Uh, There also find some other stuff, some, I don't know, you know, templates and worksheets and stuff. But uh, also main thing is the Patreon. Mm -hmm. We got Mm -hmm. one of those. Uh, You can join right now and gain access to our discord where we do fun stuff and like live events sometimes and you know for sure one live event a year guaranteed one live event a year cuz we like halloween um
0: what else well real quick i'm gonna i'm gonna plug uh, the black tongue thief plug it that's fucking cool uh so christopher beauman um this is the only book of his that i've read um, but he has written a number of other, uh, fantasy and like murder mystery and like horror stuff. Um, so, you know, he's fairly prolific, but the black tongue thief is his first, uh, it seems like all his own thing or, you know, maybe not. I don't know. I can't really speak to the rest of his stuff, but he wrote it and he did the audiobook. and audio book is the main way I consume, um, uh, literature these days. Uh, terrific voices, accents, uh, songs, music in it. It's great. A lot of stuff about language. Also just like a great story about a classic sort of fantasy adventure across the continent to save a princess and all kinds of scary, dangerous stuff going on. I loved it. It was really cool. And uh, when we were talking about languages, I was reminded of it. Anything else? And that's it. Thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of the song Pond Hill's is Finest as is the intro and outro to our show. And we'll see y'all next time.
1: See you next time.